Hello everyone, welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I'm your host, Brett Hill. Today we have a great message for you called Guilt Condemned. We're coming out of Hebrews chapter 9, uh, starting at verse 1. I'm in the King James Version, and if you don't have your Bibles, run, uh, pause the podcast, run, get your Bible, come back and join us. Hebrews chapter 9. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary, for there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is the, called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant, the Old Testament, the the Ten Commandments that Moses got from God when he carved the Ten Commandments. And over in the cherubim, over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests, plural, went away into the tabernacle, into that first tabernacle, accomplishing the services of God. But in the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors or the sins of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. While as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. And I want to tell you that this time of reformation, reformation is an action or process of reforming an institution or practice. The office of high priest was an institution and the the forgiveness of sins, the sacrifice for sins was a practice. So the the uh, changing of reformation, the, the, the change of the way the institution of high priest came about and the change of the practice of sacrifices is what they're talking about. And the very next verse says, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come. Christ became that institution of the high priest. And, and it says by a great and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands and you could see as they were standing here teaching this he looks up and says this is not to say not of this building Uh, this is not this building we're sitting here teaching in as they were sitting there teaching these words in the in the uh, in the tabernacle in the temple so Christ reformed the institution of high priest by becoming the ultimate high priest in a greater and more perfect tabernacle that was not made by hands. It's not a handmade, man-made building. When God made things, his voice spoke and things come into existence. So he's not talking about a man-made tabernacle. He's talking about the Holy of Holies, the place that God has prepared for us. And he's talking about the high priest, Jesus Christ, has changed the institution once and for all. 
In verse 12 says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Now we're talking about changing the institution and changing the practice, the way that the sacrifice was made. So he didn't come in with uh, blood and goats and calves, uh, but he came in with the blood of his, of his own sacrifice where he entered once, not once a year, but he entered once into the holy place that was his holy place that was not, not made of hands, but by the voice of God itself, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And one sacrifice, one time, in one place, never have to be done again. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh which those things only purified the flesh and could not purify the conscience. It couldn't purge the conscience. How much more shall the blood of Christ, now look at this, through the eternal spirit. Now we're talking about spiritual blood, spiritual power, through the eternal spirit offered himself. Jesus Christ offered himself so that the power of the Holy Spirit, without spot to God, purged your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So the blood of Christ had the power to purge your conscience, to set you free from the things that you think about, to purify your mind and to give you good, pure and holy and good reports to, to be able to think about and get rid of the old man and not let you be walking around feeling guilty about the things that you've done in the past. When he forgives you, when he washes away your sins, he washes away your conscience too. He can cleanse you head to toe, inside and out with his blood because it is through the spirit and not through flesh. That's what we're talking about. And he goes on and writes a conjunction in verse 15. And for this cause, he talking about Christ is the mediator. Now a mediator is a person who attempts to make people involved in a conflict come into an agreement. So Christ became the mediator of his own testament of his own last will and testament that means by death for the redemption which redemption means the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment or the clearing of a debt and it goes on to say so let's let's look at this christ became the mediator for redemption to forgive us and redeem us from our sins, our transgressions that were under the first testament that could only purge the flesh, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Jesus Christ, let me break that down for you. Jesus Christ wrote a testament. He is the New Testament. He's the Word of God come in the flesh. All of his words that he spoke was a testimony. It's a testament of what he wanted. When he prayed in John 17, Father, I want you to purge them. I want you to cleanse them. I want you to redeem them. Father, I, I want you to sanctify them. And so that they'll be sanctified, I sanctify myself so that through me and me in you, we will all be one. What he's doing here is he created a testament and through the death of the testator, the death of the testator proves that the testament needs to go into effect because you can only put a last will and testament into effect when the person that wrote the last will and testament dies. Now we move on from that because you have to have a mediator that you know that you can trust to write to a uh, 
enforce that testament to make sure that every word in your testament, in your last will and testament, is carried out exactly the way you want it. So get this. Christ died so that his testament could be carried out. He shed the blood and made the ultimate sacrifice so that his testament could be carried out. He came back from the dead and became the mediator so that he alone could be the one to enforce his testament and make sure it was carried out for you and nobody else would be able to carry out for him because he couldn't trust anybody else to do it. There was nobody else worthy of carrying it out. So he come back from the dead. He become the mediator to pay the price in exchange and cleared your debt when he rose from the grave and put you into a place to where his word was carried out in full. And that's where he says, they which might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now look at verse 16 to back up what I was saying. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator, the one that wrote it. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it has no strength at all while he lives. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For Moses... When Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkling both the book and the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And look at verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. See, all the things by the law were not purged with blood. He didn't, he didn't get your conscience. He only purged the flesh. He didn't purge the spirit. He didn't purge the conscience. Almost all things by the law were purged with blood. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of these things in the heavens should be purified with these things. And then here's the word, but. Let's negate all that stuff. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. And now the word for comes up in verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. He didn't enter into a man-made temple. <coughs> Jesus Christ entered into the place that he went to prepare for us. And look, it says, these things are figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Jesus Christ went into heaven itself now, right now, every moment of your life that you are living, put that word now in there. Christ is now in the heavens appearing in the presence of God for us. Right now, a few more moments passes by. Right now, it is a that word now is a present tense. It, it doesn't matter if you said it 10 minutes ago. Now never becomes the past. Now is present tense. Now will be just fine 10 minutes from now. When you move 10 minutes into the future, it will be right now. Jesus Christ is always in heaven itself as the mediator, interceding for you and I for our sins that we have sinned against God. He has set his contract in motion. He died so that it would go into effect. He rose from the grave and come back and enforced it for us. In verse 25 says, nor yet that he should offer himself often 
as the high priest entered in the holy place every year with blood of others, for then must Christ often have suffered since the foundation of the world. So he's not having to die every time you sin. There's not having to be a sacrifice of Jesus Christ every single time you mess up. It says, but now, there's that word now again. Let's let's use the word but, that conjunction, that but that negates what we just said. So Christ doesn't have to suffer every time we sin, but now, right now, every time you mess up is a right now in the end of the world. And I want to point that sentence out right there. When Christ died on that cross and he rose from the grave, that was the end of the world. He conquered the world and that was the end of it. We are living in the end times. And and Jesus Christ in the end of the world was a now sacrifice. Anytime that you need him, anytime you want to call upon him, the sacrifice has already been made and it's a right now moment. You don't have to put it off. You can call upon him right now. Once in the end of the world, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And 27 starts with a conjunction. So let's tie to his now once in the end of the world and say it's appointed unto men once to die, but I love that word but right there because if you are in Christ, that word but negates that death for you. But after this death, the judgment. And now this word so is also a conjunction of continuance in the statement. And it says, but after this death becomes a judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. So he has given unto you the sacrifice of himself to bear your sins and unto. Look at this word unto. Let's use our grammatically correct words here because when it's written unto, this word is used to indicate that something was done for you or given to you. And it says that there was a death. And there was a judgment. Christ bore your sins and gave it unto you. So your death and your judgment was upon him and he gave it unto you. And and who's he talking to? Look at the next line. Them that look for him. Oh man, that's a great statement. Think about that for just a minute. If you are continually looking for him, I'm going to crush religion everywhere with this statement right there because he's not saying those that do this and those that do that and those that don't do this and those that don't do that and and I don't want you to get me wrong right now because sin is sin, but he is saying right now that if, if even though if you make a mistake and you mess up, there's a right now sacrifice for you and you can ask forgiveness and you are cleansed from that thing and you continue to look for him when times get bad for you when times get hard on you and you make mistakes and you fail in this flesh there's a right now sacrifice for you that will cleanse you and forgive you of your sins and and wash you clean again and continue looking for him he's saying i'll give you my death i will give you my judgment i carried your sins every single person that will continue looking for me shall that word shall expressing a future tense somewhere in the future Christ will appear to you and that word appear oh come into sight that word appear means to come into sight become visible or noticeable and it also means typically without visible agent or any apparent cause. Those of you that continue to press forward, those of you that continue to look for Jesus Christ, those of you that continue to fail and mess up, but come back to him and ask for his help, come 
back to him and ask for his forgiveness. Those that continue to do these things and fight this world and fight the flesh and continue to abide in Christ even though you mess up in this flesh. He said, I'm going to appear for you for no apparent cause. Why? Because he's already paid your debt. He's already taken your death. He's already bore your sins. And as long as you keep pressing forth, when you stay into the fight, he's going to come into sight one of these days and he's going to give you this gift. Look at this. The word apparent means clearly visible or understood for an obvious reason. What is that obvious reason? The second time that he shows up in this last line, without sin, there's that word unto again. The second time that he shows up without sin, he's got something else to give you. Remember we talked about unto. It's a word used to indicate that something was done and or given to you. So this apparent reason, this apparent cause that he's coming back the second time without sin is to give you another gift and that gift is salvation. When you fight that fight, when you continue to look for him, when you hang in there and despite your failures, you keep asking for forgiveness, you keep leaning on his grace, you keep calling upon him for mercy and you keep looking for him and you never stop calling him your savior. He's coming back without sin to give you the gift of eternal salvation one of these days and I think you should be rejoicing right now because of that statement. Jesus Christ is real. He's alive and he's he's ready to forgive you of your sins today. And if you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, he is the mediator. He wrote a testament. He wrote a last will and testament and he put you in it. He said that I want to give you life. I want to give you eternal life. Life and life more abundantly. I want to give you victory over this world. Victory over death, hell, and the grave. And to make sure that you get that victory, I'm going to die so that that testament will go into place to make sure that it is carried out. I'm going to raise from the grave and become the mediator myself and be certain that the thing is carried out exactly the way I want it because any person that calls upon me and has faith in me that they will receive this gift of salvation that I've given them and they continue to look for me to come back, that gift is going to be theirs and I promise it so much that I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father as the mediator continually until that day I return, and that is a powerful gift of salvation that only Jesus Christ can give you. So if you don't know him today, if you've not received Jesus Christ today, take this chapter out of Hebrews chapter 9. Let it get into your heart. Let him dig into you if you're feeling the Holy Spirit calling upon you and telling you, don't put it off. There's a now moment in your life. There's a right now. Now is the time of salvation. Don't put it off any longer. Call upon Jesus Christ right now and let him come into your heart. Let him become your testament. Let him give you the inheritance that he promised you he would give you if you would look toward him for your salvation. That's what this chapter's talking about. So bow your heads wherever you're at and pray this prayer with me. If you don't know Jesus Christ and, and you know that you need him and you feel the Holy Spirit telling you, you're feeling that pull on your heart right now that this preacher is telling the truth about you and, and the Holy Spirit's telling you that I need Jesus in my heart right now. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I want you to come into my heart and purge me and clean my heart, clean my spirit, and clean my conscience. 
Cleanse me from my old man and make me new according to your word. I have faith in you that you died for me. You took my death and you took my punishment, and I believe in you that you are my Savior. Your resurrection was my resurrection. I have new life and faith in you right now according to your word, and I am saved by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Listen, person, if you are listening right now and you prayed that prayer or something like that. It, it doesn't matter what those words are as long as you're calling upon his name. Those who believe on me and call upon my name, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God has raised him from the dead. Ye shall be saved. And I believe that all heaven is rejoicing for you today because of the choice that you've made to serve Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, email us, reach out to us and let us know that God has changed your life, that Jesus Christ is mediating for you now because you've asked him into your heart. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for supporting Holding Fast to Faith, and we will see you next week on the next one.